Mama. I'm Gosha Scarrot, and this is the Firestarter Mom podcast, the show where we feature inspiring conversations with Firestarter moms and experts on motherhood identity shift, finding our inner firebug, and feeling adequate and empowered as moms and women. Welcome. Have you ever wondered if it's possible to cultivate a resilient mindset? even in the face of life's most challenging moments? How can you turn adversity into an opportunity for growth and develop a resilient mindset that empowers you to thrive? If you ever felt overwhelmed by the demands of motherhood while trying to pursue your own aspirations, then this episode is exactly what you need. Joining me today is Natalie Reed, a certified transformational life coach, master NLP practitioner, clinical hypnotherapist and stage 4 cancer survivor. With her personal journey of triumph over challenges, Natalie brings a unique perspective to empowering women to conquer stress, anxiety and adversity, creating lives they truly adore. We delve into Natalie's inspiring story of overcoming cancer and near-death experiences, which molded her into the resilient powerhouse she is today. Natalie shares her strategies for building and maintaining resilience, turning challenges into growth opportunities, and harmonizing the roles of motherhood, family, and personal growth. She also provides practical tools to reframe challenges and reignite the inner fire, enabling moms to cultivate resilience and empowerment. Ready to unlock the keys to mastering your mind and fighting as a resilient mom? Let's get started. Hello, Natalie. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited, as always. I'm not as I always start with those words. I'm really excited, but I am, <laughs> because um, I feel that this conversation is so important for all moms who really want to build and cultivate that resilient mindset. And I feel that um, your experiences, what you have gone through, really are the foundation of what you can share here and how you have built that mindset. But before we go there, I just wanted to just see how are you feeling today? What you are up to? How is the mom life looking? You have two kids. One is very little infant almost. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's a lot. So the most, so I am a Brit, but I live in Germany actually. And my son's nursery is closed for two weeks over summer. So he's at home. And I also have my newborn. Um, she's 12 weeks old today. Oh. And so it's been really interesting because normally it's just me and baby Sophia at home because he's at nursery. And now I've got this rambunctious toddler running around. And his favorite thing at the moment is parkour. So he's two and a half and he's launching himself off sofas and getting into mischief and it's it's very interesting like the the energy I have to bring to each of them and trying to to balance that out and giving both of them the attention they want as well as running my business so yeah yeah our lives as moms are so busy Mm -hmm. and then to with the family friends family and um business and other responsibilities yeah you see it's a bit of juggle so great that you found time today and um I thought that we start from transition into motherhood mm-hmm. um, can you tell us a bit more about how did you find this transition or actually who you were before becoming a mom yeah I have always wanted to be a mom and I was engaged to be married in April 2028 that's when the wedding was supposed to be 
And in December 2017, I was diagnosed with cancer completely out of the blue. And it was, I mean, heartbreaking and shocking. I was 31 years old. I was supposed to be getting married and starting a family. And all of a sudden, my life was on hold. And I had surgery and I had chemotherapy and I rejected radiation because the radiologists literally said these words to me we will nuke your womb when you have radiation because of the area that I needed to be in so I was like well I'm not doing that and even though I was told by a fertility specialist who had tears in her eyes the likelihood of me being able to have children after having chemo was extremely low but low was still a chance when the radiologist is saying hey we're going to nuke your womb I was like well no I'm not doing that then (laughs) So I just did chemo and um, unfortunately a year later it did metastasize to my liver. So then I was facing a stage four cancer diagnosis, but I managed to overcome that. I can now happily say that I'm celebrating four years, no evidence of disease. Um, But what was interesting is during this time after having surgery and chemo, the doctors kept telling me it's probably going to be really difficult for you to have children. And by this time, I had discovered the power of your mindset, of harnessing your subconscious mind, of using neurolinguistic programming and hypnotherapy. And also I mixed in there the law of attraction and manifesting, because I truly believe that where our attention goes, energy flows. And if I was putting toxins into my body and into my mind and my heart saying, I'm never going to have children, then I never would. So I eliminated all negative thoughts of that. And I had this beautiful moment where one of my friends who was pregnant, bless my womb. Mm -hmm. And I visualized being pregnant every single day. I said my affirmations. And despite the odds, I got pregnant first time with my son. And then the doctor said, oh, you know, you probably won't be able to carry him to term. He might have developmental issues and he's perfectly fine, totally Mm. fine. And so then I had my son and you can imagine this is then COVID. So all of the hospital appointments, um, everything, I did it all by myself. And even giving birth, my husband was only allowed to come into the hospital when I was four centimeters dilated so I did it all and I had to wear a mask and everything and then I had my son and he was he's my miracle baby because I wasn't supposed to be able to have children and the transition was so different because I had gone from being a successful businesswoman and I used to work in sales and then I transitioned into becoming a teacher and then all of a sudden I was a cancer patient and a cancer survivor And then I stepped into a new role of being a mom. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, the first, I would say six months were really tough because I didn't get to spend time with anybody. It was just me and the baby at home. And very lonely. It was very lonely. It was so lonely. And I had wanted a child for so long and I had conceived him so easily and the pregnancy was easy. And then I had birth, gave birth and that was traumatic And then there I was with my bundle of joy and I was a little bit depressed in a way because I didn't get to do them as mummy baby groups. Nothing was happening. It was just COVID and I had to learn to re-love my body. I had to learn to step into this new role of motherhood. It didn't come as naturally as I thought it would. I have to say that it was, it was work and I wasn't expecting that. 
Mm-hmm. So how do you feel now about being mom with a second baby? Yes, I, I am mom of one. Yeah. I believe uh, well, there is always the second time round different. There's something called matricence, uh, which is transition into motherhood. And I know that women experience this every single time with any new baby. So yeah. can you can you tell me like how, how do you feel now uh, as a new mom as opposed to the the first time round? Is there any kind of any differences in mindset? In it's so completely different. I mean, first of all, um, so I had a son, uh, my first child, and now I have a daughter, and they are like night and day. My son was on the boob constantly. (laughs) He always needed my attention. And she, from the beginning on, is such an excellent sleeper, is such a happy baby. But actually, I spoke to my midwife about it. And she's like, it's okay. Yes. Okay. Each child is different. Mm -hmm. But she's like, a lot of it, they pick up from the mom. And your energy is so completely different. And You've got a beautiful energy about you. Yeah, yeah, we can hear so, you know baby, your baby in the background. That's you know yes, that. the, yeah, my son who's just had a shower and he's come in now. He wants to say hello. Hello, yeah. my love. Yeah. Yes, mummy's on the mummy's on the laptop, just talking to somebody. Yeah, it's so different, and it's it's funny because I thought it would be more difficult to juggle two children, and it has got its own challenges, but it's also not so scary. So, Natalie, your journey of overcoming obviously cancer is really profound and truly inspiring. And I I wonder if you can share with our audience how these challenges shaped your mindset and actually led you to cultivate that resilient mindset you have today. Yeah, it's. Um... It was really a lot of internal work. I I didn't realize how important your mindset is in recovery, in healing and in growth. I think it was Henry Ford that says, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And that is so true. And what is interesting is as adults, most of us don't have emotional resilience. We haven't learned the tools and the resources to be able to process our emotions to be able to communicate in fact what we're taught as children is stop crying or people have it worse than you and so you bury your emotions and I had this idea in my mind that if I start crying I'm never going to stop and so I just refused to cry and it was really only my near-death experience where I almost died from complications from surgery and I kind of had this moment where my life was hanging in the balance and there was a part of me, this little fire inside that said, hey, Mm. it's not your time to go. But if you are going to live, you have to do everything within your power to do so. And that was kind of that turning point for me. I was like, right, okay, I don't have the tools and the resources right now. How do I get them? What do I need to do? What are the strategies? Who are the people that I need to support me? How can I grow? Because you can either be a victim or a victor. And those are the options. Like you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. And so I really dove into the world of holistic health and mindset. And for me, harnessing the power of your subconscious mind is literally the most powerful thing that you can do because we can work with our conscious mind. That's kind of where willpower sits, right? But it's very easy to spiral back into negative behaviors because you've not got to the root cause of the problem, which is why working with your subconscious 
is powerful because you really dive down into the root causes where your limiting beliefs are, that negative inner critic, where all of those feelings and emotions live. And so for me, hypnotherapy and meditation was so powerful because within that trance-like state, I could rewire my neural pathways and then reprogram with positive mental attitude and with affirmations. And I could believe in myself and have the confidence that I can heal and I can grow. And having developed that resilience to overcome cancer, motherhood was not so difficult in a way because I already knew I'm like, even now with my son, he's two and a half and he's feeling all these big feelings and emotions and having temper tantrums, you know, the terrible twos. And it's my job as his mom to be able to regulate my own emotions, to provide him a safe space, to feel his emotions and to model that behavior. And that I think is beautiful. It kind of tie everything ties in together. Yeah, I think it sounds really good, but often it is very difficult to actually put this uh, in practice because I think we hear, or at least I am at the stage where I hear so much of, of those buzzy words around working with subconscious, around affirmations. I think people become reluctant these days to even concept of like, yeah, radio affirmations, put this everywhere. I think that's something that we've been listening to for such a long time. And I feel that the idea of actual self-compassion is something that is very much core of the healing um, of emotions, really, Mm -hmm. because I guess that, well, for me, it is true because I step more, like I I told you earlier, like into that feminine energy more than this kind of logical, structured, goal-oriented and heavily action-based approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, one of the qualities of feminine is compassion, is obviously caring, is nurturing, is receptiveness. So what I would like to find out, practical aspects, if you can give some examples of what was the most difficult kind of uh, maybe, uh, emotions that you experienced And what tools and strategies did you use from your very own experience to transform them, let's say, transform shadow into light? Yeah, definitely. So for me, my biggest thing is I'm a giver. (laughs) So I give and I give and I give. And I realized that I was giving so much that I kept nothing back for myself. So one of my things is you cannot pour from an empty cup. You should be pouring from a place of abundance and joy. So then it's not an obligation. And so you need to fill that cup, right? You need to do things that fill you with joy because you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a business owner, you're a friend, you're a daughter. Like you are so many things to so many people. Mm -hmm. But actually, you've got to put yourself at the front and center of everything so that you can feel amazing. So you can come from this place of love. And one of the practical tools that I use is journaling. Like I don't go anywhere without my journal. Now, again, I know I know what you read that um, we hear a lot of these things like affirmations, journaling, meditation, all these journaling things. Journaling is fantastic. Buzzwords. It's just affirmations is something that I used to I used to do, and I I, I feel like uh, we go through the journey, don't yeah. we? We yeah. I've, I've been in a coaching space and personal development for years, years and years, and I think you. 
you try things and then you learn different things and you change as person and what worked for you maybe before when you were very new to it and excited now seem to be trivial so you you go you explore different avenues because you you are changing that's all it is (laughs) really exactly exactly. journaling is amazing because it provides you a safe space to write down exactly what you're thinking and feeling with absolutely no judgment but it's also a tool that I use in my in my manifesting and in my law of attraction because I I don't just write down how I'm thinking and feeling I write down what it is that I want to have what it is that I want to achieve and rather than looking at as a wish list which having that energy of wishing you're just kind of pushing that away from you but writing down my dream life and really diving into it it's it's like goal setting but with with heart with feeling with emotion because I'm writing down this so is do you mean by this intentions I hear is it intentions exactly and for me I think a morning routine is really important mm. but for me the key is that nighttime routine it is taking care of yourself and setting your intentions before you go. So I, I'm a busy mum, right? I've got a business, I've got a toddler, I've got a newborn. I am time poor. And so my thing is maximizing every iota of time that I have. So I prepare my overnight oats the night before, my oats with my chia seeds and my frozen vegetable, uh, vegetables, frozen fruits. Mm-hmm. And I get that ready and that's in the fridge. If I have to do something for my son. I will pack his bag the night before, put it by the door. Like my baby brain, I'm all over the shop. I found my phone in the fridge the other week. Mm. So I try and work smart, not hard and make my life easier. And by preparing that night before and go to bed, and I do every morning and every night, I do a quick five minute meditation where I just allow myself, I start with a little bit of breath work and I do use my affirmations now, for me, like you say, affirmations are a little bit overrun it um, or overdone if people don't use it properly. Because for me, they only work if you access this attitude of gratitude, if you put them together and really uh-huh. pour your emotions into that connecting, like you said, to your feminine energy and really just focusing on how grateful you are for the amazing things that you have in your life and how grateful you are, you are for the things that are coming to you it has a different power and a different resonance. And I think to myself, right, tomorrow I'm going to achieve this, this, and this. I set my intentions. And the first thing I do in the morning to fill my cup, I don't look at my phone. <laughs> I don't do anything. That's so important. Oh it's gosh. so important because normally what we do, we look at our phone, we do something like <laughs> or answer our husband or do whatever. And we have immediately started our day giving. So instead in the morning, I either do some breath work, my meditation, and sometimes I'll do it in the shower. Like I'm, like I said, I'm time poor. So I'm trying to do it everything together. I'm in the shower, washing my hair, setting my intention for the day, saying my affirmation, whatever it is that's going to work for me that day. I'm using that time. And then I feed the kids, get them ready. And then I can look at my phone after I've dropped him off at nursery and switching things up that way to really start my day without diving into work or social media has just been a complete game changer i think it's, it's great that you share those more behavioral aspects like what what you actually practically do um you know with uh, preparation then there is meditation but when it comes to actual mindset strategies mm-hmm. 
Can you share some sort of effective ways, uh, maybe key strategies when it comes to mindset, uh, building actual, specifically resilient mindset? For sure. So we all have this inner critic, right? We have this voice inside us who's like, who do you think you are? Who says that you can do that? Um, that pulls you down and you sometimes can feel imposter syndrome or you feel like you're not enough. And what I do is I make friends with it (laughs) because with anything, if you're trying to push that down, that's not going anywhere. That's just waiting to bubble to the surface and then chip away at you and your confidence and your mindset. So instead, when my inner critic or that, that negative voice says something to me, I'm like, cool, tell me more. And I dive into it. I really like, I question it. Like sometimes, I might look crazy. I put my headphones in when I'm walking my son to nursery and I will have a conversation with myself. Critic, I yeah. put my headphones in <laughs> so it doesn't look like I'm a lunatic. But I'm like, okay, is that true? And I question it. I really question like, is that true that I'm not a good enough mum? Okay. Well, no, I don't think so. Why is that? And I try and ask for evidence because your brain can trick you and it's so easy to fall into negative patterns. But by questioning it, immediately it breaks that pattern absolutely so so talk us through exactly um example like what would that be so i mean it's the little things it is the hug from my son it is seeing him take care of his little sister you know Mm -hmm. when she's crying and he goes up down he's like it's okay sophia mommy's here and seeing how gentle he is like that is modeled behavior it is the kiss from my husband as he walks past me because I mean having kids is so hard on a marriage nobody tells you this oh my god (laughs) having those small moments of joy or those moments I mean you probably have them when you just look at your family and your heart just feels like you just feel like you're gonna burst with this this love and and joy and radiance and just like those feelings I just, I anchor those in. As soon as I feel that feeling, I really just like dial up those emotions and I really like connect to that feeling. So anytime I have this, you're not a good mum thought, I remember those moments and I connect with that emotionally and I can relive that moment then. And that fuels me for (laughs) when there's the next meltdown or that next voice that says, okay, you're not good enough. And sometimes it doesn't work. And so what I do to break that negative thought pattern, it sounds weird. But if you hum, you act as a different neural pathway in your brain. So if you if you start humming something, the sillier, the better. At the moment, we are fully in the Paw Patrol phase. So that's what goes through my mind. And I hum, it instantly breaks that negative thought pattern. So you cannot be thinking a negative thought pattern when you're humming, which sounds odd, but it's so true. <laughs> you should definitely try it. And then immediately once I've broke that negative thought pattern, then I make a conscious effort to choose something positive that I've done about myself and I also have you know I said I journal I have a list of why I'm amazing and I've written down every single achievement that I've ever had not just academically or business-wise but in my own personal life things that I've done and so if all those other things aren't working I can read through that list I've got something concrete right in front of me that I've written But I'm like, okay, well, look at all these things that I've done. And I regularly add to it as well. And 
and celebrating those moments is so powerful because you know what you I know, used to do in the, uh, in the past I would actually record as I, I love um oh yeah the, the audio obviously format yeah like using voice notes on iPhone mm-hmm. I would record so much oh gosh but that goes back years ago yeah you know my my division for life recorded my mm-hmm manifesto in a way yeah Um, yeah the reminder of my worth looking at my resources of my talents and my skills at things that I am proud of and strengths and stuff like this yeah I think it's good reminder and I think sometimes we underestimate how the power of that communication but coming from us no I think it's very powerful when we hear this recorded in our voice rather than someone telling this us Mm -hmm. if that makes sense do you experience mom guilt oh yeah and what, oh, what yeah. does that guilt really saying in your ears? I mean, it's multiple things. But I mean, my big thing, for example, is that I launching my business fully while I have a newborn. So any moment that I am not 100% focused on her, uh-huh. I do have this little voice. And it's not just my voice. I have also heard it from other people like, oh, you should be enjoying this time. And I'm think like, uh-huh. I always remind myself I am doing this right now mm-hmm. for the betterment of my family. It's not just for me. I have got a goal in mind. And I, so I full-time am an English teacher at a private school. And I love being a teacher. But it is so consuming. It's not just teaching. It's mm-hmm. the lesson planning, the marking, the parent-teacher conferences, all of the different events. I would spend so much time away from my family. And so this is why I've decided to set up my own business so that I can be my own boss, set my own hours and have more time and energy for my family. But of course, at the moment, I'm in this really busy phase of launching everything, of wearing many hats. And so that guilt comes in when I'm, I think I'm not 100% present with my kids or I'm not giving enough time to my husband because I'm trying to (laughs) grow this business and also still trying to find time for myself because that is a non-negotiable for me I cannot Mm -hmm. give if I am physically drained I just can't do it anymore and after my cancer recovery that is like a firm line that I drew in the sand that I will never ever put myself at the bottom of the totem pole again so what do you um, do to overcome that guilt whisper how practically you try to befriend like you said earlier you make friends with that with that voice of a guilt I mean I do the same kind of technique and Mm -hmm. the big thing for me is actually not sweeping it under the rug I have got quite a few mum friends and some of them only gave birth recently and I am raw and I am real and I am honest and I even share it on social media I mean I had a moment I flew to the UK just with my daughter so one I had mum guilt that I'd left my son at home and it's the longest time I'd ever been away from him which was seven days but then I had mum guilt that I'm there and I've got my daughter and it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm just like I just I just lost it I just was like and of course she's a baby like she can't do anything and then I felt intense guilt and I actually decided to share a post on social media about the realities of motherhood and the lack of sleep like it is so exhausting sleep deprivation oh my god that is one of the hardest things about motherhood is not having enough sleep 
And actually just by sharing my story, I had so many people connecting with me and I talk about it with my other mum friends as well. And then it gives them permission to be honest about what they're feeling. And so then developing this sisterhood already elevates my mum guilt because I can mm. look at another mum and be like, oh my God, she is amazing. Like she has got it down. Like her house looks spotless. Like her kids are like beautiful and articulate and like tidy and they'll play with one toy and they'll put it away. Like I kind of built her up on this pedestal and then she'll be talking to me and be like, oh my God, you have no idea what happened last night. And I'm like, oh, tell me. <laughs> And oh so my god, this is so important what you are saying, you know, because I am such a massive advocate of like power of vulnerability. Yeah. I actually my experience of going to so many groups, um, my baby is now almost two, my toddler, but there's so much masks. Mm-hmm. Moms wear masks because we are naturally afraid of of obviously we fear vulnerability because we fear rejection, we fear not fitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what profound thing that Brenner Brown uh, said is that, let me get this right, according to research, the opposite of belonging is actually fitting in. Mm-hmm. And that is powerful because we are talking about belonging to ourselves. Uh, you may fit in with others and, you know, just kind of, but may no longer belong to yourself. So mm-hmm. I think vulnerability is the bridge is the 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 courage to be vulnerable is exactly yeah like you are saying opens up something beautiful Mm -hmm. uh, opens hearts of other people other moms opening up I I definitely experienced that when I shared like my challenges or I I I didn't pretend that I find motherhood easy but when I actually said this then moms actually said you know what actually yeah I it's difficult but before that they weren't able to to say it it was all lovely exactly uh, so I think it takes person to basically have that courage and I think this is so important because it makes people feel um heard seen witnessed not yeah. alone it makes you feel valid because yeah. if you realize okay other people feel this way then you're like, okay, well, this is normal. I'm normal. And just having that I'm normal moment, it's so small and yet so profound because you're like, okay, it's okay that I feel this way. It's okay that I'm not okay. It's okay that sometimes I cannot regulate my emotions and I shout at my toddler. But then afterwards, I will apologize. Because again, you've got a model that behavior, nobody's perfect. And I think removing the idea of perfection from motherhood is the key to everything. And it was the same with going through cancer because you feel this pressure as a cancer patient to always be positive and to make it look easy and to not be a burden on anybody else. And so, like you say, you put on this mask and then you put on another one and you have so many layers where you hide your true emotions and feelings from the world but you start doing it from yourself and you don't know who you are anymore and yeah and actually releasing all of that and being your authentic self is the most powerful thing you can do and there are tools and resources to help you build emotional resilience and to develop that but the essence of it is a freedom to just let it all hang out (laughs) to just be who you are and that is for me, one of the most beautiful things, just being raw and real and honest, because I mean, who are you pretending to be anyway? For whose benefit? 
I think we we live in times where you know in, in the era of personal development, self awareness, self knowledge. Uh, people really look into themselves, want to understand themselves. One thing is, yeah, that willingness to grow and understand yourself, and that's good. But an- another thing is, I think that maybe courage. Why do you feel maybe difficult for mothers to be vulnerable, to open up? Because you have an innate fear of not being enough. Like that's that voice is, I'm not enough. Yeah. And if you're not enough, then who are you? And this is why we feel like, you know, You have those mums who, you know, bake all the cakes for all of the different events at the school and they just do so much. I I have a friend who is like that and she messaged me and she's like, I forgot. And so rather than just saying I forgot, she was up at 2 a.m. baking hundreds of cakes. I wouldn't have done it. I would not have done it. I would just have been honest and said, I'm sorry, I didn't do it. Like I will. I can buy some cupcakes, but do you know what I mean? I think we have this fear of of not holding up to this this idea of what motherhood is. And, and it's not just having a child, it's it's being pregnant as well. One of my girlfriends is pregnant right now, and we had a, v- a very honest conversation where I said, and uh, he was my miracle baby. I was so thrilled to be pregnant with him, but God, I hated pregnancy. I did not get that glowing feeling I was bloated I had heartburn and while he was healthy like I felt terrible and she was like thank god I'm so pleased because she said you know she'd been trying for a baby for five years and now she's pregnant and she's so happy and yet she doesn't recognize her own body and I'm like it's okay it's okay to feel that way and and feeling that feeling of okay I'm not enough and questioning it okay is that true why do I feel that way because most of it is, again, like it's society. It's this idea that we have to be this perfect mother. And I like to challenge that. I'm like, there is no such thing as perfect. I can only be the best version of myself and do everything to the best of my ability with the tools and the resources that I have right now. And as I grow and I change and I develop, then I can grow and change and develop and help my kids as well. And, and like, and I learn from, from my children all the time. Yeah. So we were talking about some um, tools for resilience. You mentioned obviously meditation, journaling, some aspect of uh, physically, you know, what you do, certain rituals. Um, What else? What other kind of tools you find going even back to your experience Mm -hmm. journey through for cancer that you find really profound in building emotional resilience that maybe are not so obvious uh, everywhere, but something that is very coming from your deep insight, from your very insightful, obviously, and intense experience. So for me, the most profound thing that I have done that I use to this day and Mm -hmm. has an immediate impact that I think a lot of people don't talk about Mm -hmm. is actually EFT. It's one of the only alternative medicine practices that is actually recommended for war veterans with PTSD. And so nobody kind of talks about the mental, emotional, spiritual trauma of having cancer. Like it is the gift that keeps on giving. Like Mm -hmm. there is so much to unpack from having cancer from your self-love and body image because of all of your scars to your identity because are you a cancer patient a survivor a thriver who are you what are your passions your like everything about your life 
changes as soon as you hear those words you have cancer Mm. and I tried talking therapy art therapy dance therapy and obviously I did work with the the subconscious mind but like that is something that builds over time where EFT is instantaneous and because what it does is whatever trauma or negative feeling or emotion or whatever it is that you are feeling you connect with it you really allow yourself to feel that feeling because what happens is you're feeling this in your body and you're blocking your energy in the different meridian points of your body it's based on the the ancient chinese medicine of acupuncture and when you give yourself permission to feel that And then you start tapping these meridian points on your face and your hand. And you say things to yourself like, even though I feel like I'm not enough, I love and accept myself. And you tap all of these different points and you're connecting to that emotion. And as you're going around during this movement, different emotions then come up. Because then I'll be like, even though I feel angry, because God, the rage that you can feel going through something like that, because The life that you thought you were going to have has been stolen from you. So then I would say, even though I feel angry, I love and accept myself. And I would go around and sometimes it would take 10 minutes. Sometimes it would be half an hour. But the end feeling is I love and accept myself. And like, and you can do that. Like, you don't need to go to someone. You can just watch a video on YouTube on how to do it. And you can do it for yourself. And you can do it looking in the mirror. I don't do that because for me, that is it's too confronting to see my own face when I'm feeling these emotions, but Mm. I just take that moment to myself and really allowing that negative emotion to come up and accepting it for what it is and then tapping it out by using these pressure points and then replacing it with a positive affirmation of I love and accept myself is so powerful And I did it with my sister the other day. She was sitting in a car and she had a meltdown again of I'm not enough. And I did it a couple of weeks ago with one of my cancer patients who finished treatment and thought that she would automatically feel better. And she didn't. And so I was like, okay, cool. Then let's explore it. And this to me is an underused, totally underused modality because within the space of like 10 to 15 minutes afterwards, you feel like a whole new person and it's not because you've buried your emotions it's because you've released it and you've acknowledged it given it airtime so to speak Mm -hmm. and then released it and that's that to me is something that I still do to this day and it's one of the first things in in most of the sessions that I have with clients it is one of the first things that we will do because it is that powerful when you can feel that weight lift from your shoulders and I'd never even heard of it before, honestly. Like I'd gone so, 31 years. When did you years. start using it when, when you were going through for cancer, yes? So it was after my near-death experience. The first time I had cancer, I buried my feelings. I was definitely right. very depressed. And it was only after that near-death experience, I was like, okay, I need something. And I was going to a talking therapist and she was amazing, but it takes months and months and months of therapy. <laughs> and I was like... I need something now. And like I said, I was just watching YouTube videos on how to do it. And then I was doing it for myself. And when I qualified as a transformational life coach, I then got loads of tools in my toolkit. And one of them was EFT. So learning about it was amazing because I didn't know how it worked. I just knew that it did. 
yeah, I think my approach to any sort of tool is that if it works for you, that's great. If it doesn't, you you just find something different because yeah. it doesn't work for everyone. And I think it's so important to like try that. Uh, there are people for whom CBT is absolutely exceptional, yeah. which was never for me. We are both NLP qualified. NLP, absolutely. Yeah. One of my first coaches was neuro-linguistic programming uh, qualifications and we are going through that process, which instantly wiped off my certain anxieties. That was back in 2014. But since then, it inspired me training this. But again, um, with some clients, it worked better. With others, not so much. So the it's NLP all about... <laughs> yeah, so so it really depends on a, on a person, you know. And I think it's worth to remember that just because oh, one technique is great, you may try it and then oh, you don't see. Yeah the results is not so that something is wrong with you or sometimes yeah. that you don't do it right now. You just, we are so different, every single one of us. And um, I remember using a, a EFT in the context of uh, transforming my money mindset. Okay. So because, yeah, because EFT has got so many users in so many contexts. I just want to going back to, to your experience for a moment uh, or in recovery. Could you share perhaps any sort of like specific moment from your recovery journey when you felt your mindset truly played a crucial role in, in your healing and resilience? Yeah, it was, um, I remember it very clearly. So after my near-death experience mm-hmm. and I had started working on my my health and really realizing, okay, like it's really important what I consume, which is not just what goes in your body, like, you know, what you eat and what you drink. It's you know, what goes on in your mind it is what are you reading and who are you spending time with all of those were so important mm-hmm. and it was a journey but it's it's funny because on that journey sometimes you can't see how far you had come and for me when I went for a routine checkup and I found out the cancer had metastasized to my liver and I was then classed as being stage four and I had a conversation with my oncologist and he was like right we'll do surgery and chemo. And if it doesn't work, we'll be talking palliative care, which is obviously end of life care. And I remember getting this diagnosis and I didn't spiral out like I did the first time I got cancer. I was like, okay, this is just a roadblock. This is just an obstacle that I can overcome. And having the right mindset was so key. So when I was in hospital and after I'd had surgery, I was like, right, okay, what do I need to do to recover? And they said, you need to get up and start walking. You need to go and see the physio. You need to, and I was like, cool, let's book it in. Let's do it. And I just had this can do attitude. I really realized from my previous experiences, how having a positive outlook and perspective and not toxic positivity. It's it's acknowledging things with the way they are, but realizing that they can get better and that you have the power to do so was key. So I, after I was in hospital, I think it was like six or seven days, I was released. I was allowed to go home and I continued to improve. And I remember talking with the nurses, they were like, we've never met a stage four cancer patient who's so positive. And I'm like, it's okay because... I can't control the cancer. Like the worst has already happened to me. What else is life going to throw throw at me? Like I, I had just this aha moment of, I can still live my life. I can still do all the things that I've wanted to do. And in fact, I had less 
inhibitions about being my authentic self because I wasn't afraid anymore. I didn't care what other people thought about me. I was just doing me. I was, you know, and I know that some people think that I turned into this tree hugging, crystal loving, woo woo person just because I believe in, in the power of the mind. And I didn't care because I'm like, I'm happy. I am healthy and I know that I can control my reality. And now I'm celebrating four years, no evidence of disease. I'm coming off on year five. So I'll officially cast as being in remission. I didn't allow the doctors to get in my head. I conceived my children easily. I bought my dream house. Like I'm literally living a life that I love, but I could have spent the last four years in a place of desperation, of depression, of feeling it like I'm a victim of why me this is not fair the cancer's come back and I really do feel that if you don't become a key player in your own mental wellness and recovery it affects your physical health of course mind body form a system yeah absolutely yeah it looks like a story from trauma to triumph (laughs) Am I saying this right? Do you perhaps have an advice or maybe example exercise for mom who just would like to reframe challenge and turn this into opportunity for growth based on your experience? Definitely. Um, The easiest thing you can do, which you can start today, is just to change the vocabulary that you use. So if you have an experience or a moment where you say, I can't do this, take out the negation immediately because your brain doesn't understand the negation so if you say I can't do this change it immediately to I can well if I have this feeling of I can't find the time today to do everything on my to-do list then immediately what I will do is I'll take a moment I'm like okay I can find the time to do what's important because if you hear this this I can't do it I can't do it or I'm not good enough whatever whatever it is with this this negative emotion or this negative word it immediately starts sapping you from energy and just by switching the words that you use and how you talk to yourself is so important so just by making small changes just being mindful like really watch out for those words of I can't I'm not I should as soon as you hear yourself saying that just stop take a moment be like okay oh I should do this stop what do you mean you should? Who says so? Is it really important to you? Do you want to do it? Do you need to do it? Okay, because if it's not a want or a need, then don't do it. Because should is is from obligation. So just switching things up just very quickly in the vocabulary that you use and how you talk to yourself is something that you can do today to make a healthy, positive change. Yeah, that's brilliant. I like to ask question for my guests always toward the end about TEDx so if you were invited to speak what would be your idea worth sharing yes um it's actually my dream to to be on a a TEDx talk and my topic would definitely be you aren't what happened to you it is about thriving in the face of adversity we owe it to ourselves to overcome what happened to us and so realizing that you can't control what happened, but you can control how you react to it. And it's about empowering yourself to overcome anything. And that for me is probably the most amazing thing that anybody could talk about because we all face 
challenges and traumas and and negative experiences and how do we overcome that lovely brilliant thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your your uh, incredible journey and insights and tips very very valuable can you also tell us where our listeners can find you yes so i am on facebook instagram tiktok at natalie underscore life coaching I also have, if anybody is interesting, I have created a healing garden guided meditation, which is a place where you can access an oasis of calm and release any repressed emotions and just then feel this wonderful inner peace. It's a 20 minute long meditation and that's completely free as well. That's brilliant. I I will make sure that everything is linked. Sounds amazing. Thank you so much again. Wishing you all the best in your business with your family thank you thank you for having me thank you so much for joining me mama if you enjoyed this episode i would love for you to leave me a review and subscribe to be notified when the next episode drops if you would like to connect with me you can find me over at instagram where my handle is at firestatamam looking forward to see you back here soon for the next chat bye for now